So I'm I'm really excited for this week's episode because Good. of the the destination, if you will. <laughs> but in my research, uh, trying to figure out where Spider-Man should go, my partner Toby suggested that he go to Lima, Peru, <laughs> um, which, okay. is, which is kind of a wild place for Spider-Man to go. And then I was talking to Toby about some of the stuff that he did when he was in Peru because he went to college for bioanthropology and part of his education was going to Peru and working on a dig site. And that was all presumably very exciting. I didn't know him then, so I can't speak to it. But he did inform me that he ate a traditional Peruvian food uh, while he was there. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I have learned that my partner has eaten a guinea pig. Right, yeah. Which is nuts. And so I all I could imagine was Peter being like, oh, this is delicious. And someone being like, yeah, guinea pig. And him being like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> him coming back home and like Ned's got a guinea pig and he's just like looking at it. And it's like, he knows. Yeah, just like mournfully like, oh, he's he He's judging me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is the most... I won't say most exotic because this, that sounds gross. What is the the strangest protein, strangest type of meat you've ever had? So this last trip to Japan, I was really eager to go to this restaurant called Tsurotokame, which is a relatively new restaurant, um, especially for Japan. Like it's only a couple years old. Mm-hmm. And they serve kaiseki cuisine, which is like a lot of small courses like very ornately plated specifically featuring japanese uh, ingredients that are of the season and that are fresh you know it's it's really kind of supposed to be a celebration of like what is in season okay and i had never had a meal in that style before and um, i was also very excited to go to a restaurant that was staffed um, entirely by women because that's rare enough in the food world, but in Japan, it's basically unheard of. Okay, that's really cool. But it is the kind of restaurant where, like, you say either you want, like, the, you know, six course or the eight course, and then that's it. And maybe, like, I'm vegetarian, and, and that's it. Like, uh-huh. they, they, they decide everything else for you. So we were kind of at their mercy. And um, some of the stuff was pretty normal, you know, sushi and um, tempura, you know, some vegetables and there was definitely like octopus rice in there but uh one of our appetizers was a small bowl i want to say there might have been some kind of broth and maybe some like little cubes of something or vegetable maybe but the protein in there was baby eels okay so they were like opaque white probably about half the length of your pinky and it was like warm, very slippery, lightly fishy spaghetti. Oh, <laughs> but like no. the whole thing, like they were raw. So like it was the whole thing, you know, faces and all. And I was like, I mean, I knew this was a possibility. So here we go. <laughs> okay. So wait, so the baby eels were like, the were, they were like noodles or like? I mean, that's what it felt like, like when you ate them. But they, I mean, they were baby eels. Like it was a bunch of tiny little baby raw eels that's insane i don't know if i can eat that <laughs> what was the verdict but, uh, were they okay i mean it's not something i would i would be like oh my god like i just i can't wait to get back and get a whole bowl of baby eels 
I'm okay with fishy flavors and I'm mm -hmm. okay with gooey textures. So it wasn't that unpleasant for me. Um, Andrew just, I think he might've tried one and was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll try anything once. I think the weirdest protein I've ever had is Nutria rat. I don't know what that is. Okay. So a Nutria rat is a large species of rat that exists in like bayous and stuff like in Louisiana where I'm from. Uh -huh. They get about the size of Bijou. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, they're enormous rats. They're closer related to like muskrats than like brown rats or Norway rats, but they are rats dead ass. They're they're an invasive species, so they're like open season all the time, but they have like what's called the saddle and it's like from where their spine is and then like the part that connects to their hips is all like very meaty because they can swim really well. So the muscles really well develop back there. And it's mm -hmm. some of the best food I've ever eaten in my life. Like if you served it to someone and you didn't tell them what it was, they might assume it was maybe like, like rabbit if they'd ever had it before, but closer to like, honestly chicken. But when I had it, I was fully aware of what it was. And I was like, Oh boy, here we go. And then it was, <laughs> and then it was fantastic. And I was like, okay, I think we should go ahead and jump into the episode. Sounds good. All right, let's do it. What's up, Spider Pals? My name is Zeke. And I'm Kat. And we are here to ask the question, was was Spider-Man there? Was he there? Oh, oh, I think I see Spider-Man over there. Oh, blimey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we want to know if Spider-Man was there. We've given away the theme. But just in case you haven't listened to this show before, uh, Kat and I both really enjoy comic books. Kat knows so much about Spider-Man. I don't know that much. I'm learning, but my knowledge is not akin to cats, which could fill the entire Tower of London. <laughs> <laughs> but we run the show in two parts. The first part is what we call elevator pitch, which is where Cat gives me a theme for the week and I throw together a story, hopefully an original one. And then I pitch it to Cat, and Cat gets to tell me if Spider-Man was there. There's a second half of the podcast as well, but we have to like dismantle a whole colonial empire before we can get to that part. Yeah. Um, we probably have to jump in the TARDIS and then get over there. Yeah. <laughs> this is, I, I feel like we mentioned Doctor Who a lot on, on this show. <laughs> we'll have to have a separate Doctor Who podcast where neither of us know a whole lot about it, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, so what's our theme this week, Kat? Uh, this week we are talking about Spider-Man across this great globe, the international man of spidery. Yeah, so the the... The British accents that we've done at the beginning would lead you to believe that we're talking about Spider-Man specifically in England, but we we are exploring Spider-Man all over the world, whether or not it's like a certain version of Spider-Man or like if Peter Parker himself like went to a different country, like we're we're really interested in where Spider-Man has been literally. Like we literally want to know if Spider-Man was there. But for me, I thought that Spider-Man in the UK was an, an an easier one to tackle. Not that I back away from a challenge, but I was a little concerned personally about writing a story where I was like, and then it's like Peruvian Spider-Man <laughs> and then just having it be like a really strange take on a culture I don't know that much about. Whereas the UK is like, well, you know, like it's not 
it's there. Like, it's not, not if you're, like, from the UK, like, not to say that, like, your culture is boring or whatever, but it's, like, everybody kind of knows, and it's very akin to, like, American culture in that it's very westernized. So I wasn't worried about, like, doing anything offensive or anything. But instead of having, like, an original man who becomes Spider-Man, I do really like the idea of Peter Parker going to the UK. And I think he goes with Harry and Mary Jane. I think it's like a friend vacation. Like they go and they're like, we're just going to chill out. We're just going to go to the UK and kick it for a little while because we're on, <laughs> we're on like Harry's daddy's money. Like, uh, and Peter's like, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to impose. And Harry's like, well, if you don't come, I'll take Mary Jane just by herself. And we both know how that one's going to go. And he's like, okay, I'll go. <laughs> so they go to the UK and turns out they're having like a chill time for like a week or so. And everything's cool. And Peter's like, it's weird to him to not be Spider-Man. And I think that there's a lot of like personal conflict where he's like, what's going on in New York right now? Like, like are crimes happening? And then he has to kind of take a step back and be like, okay, New York had to handle crime to a certain degree before I was Spider-Man. It will be able to take care of itself for a little while while I am not there. Uh, but then it turns out that Doc Ock has not followed them intentionally. He wasn't like, there they are. But like, Doc Ock has come to the UK because there is a power source that he needs, which is a very large diamond stored in the Tower of London. Of course. It's where they keep all the diamonds. Right, exactly. No, this one's huge, though. Like, this one's as big as the Queen, who I realize is not that big. But he's like, I need the diamond to power my interdimensional paper shredder or whatever the fuck he's building <laughs> so he's like gotta get the diamond and so he's like climbing up the tower of london with his octopus arms and everybody's like on the news like there's a man with octopus arms climbing the tower of london and uh peter's like oh okay well i thought i was on vacation but i guess i'm not but then he has to figure out like a super sneaky way to like try to get away from mary jane and harry to like go like be spider-man and then he's like, thank God I packed my Spider-Man suit just in case. But it isn't really that he packed it to like to be ready. He packed it so that Aunt May wouldn't find it because he knew she was going to go clean his room while he was gone. <laughs> so he was like, gotta, gotta take the Spider-Man suit with me. So he suits up and he goes to fight Doc Ock and they have this really cool like web-slinging uh, King Kong style fight uh, where Doc Ock is like swinging off the tower and Peter's like web slinging all around and he's like trying to punch him and there's a whole showdown but I think Doc Ock successfully gets in and he like steals the diamond and he's like ah ha ha and then he runs away and Peter's like oh no oh okay well um what do I do now now I need help and then like magically like the green goblin is also there and he's like I'll help you spider-man because I also want the diamond and spoiler alert the green goblin is Harry <gasps> yeah <laughs> uh so spider-man and the green goblin team up and they go kick Doc Ock's ass they get the diamond back they personally hand deliver it to the queen who has no idea who they are or what day <laughs> of the week it is please let the queen retire <laughs> she's so old so they get the diamond, they hand deliver it to the queen, all's well that ends well. Peter gets to enjoy the rest of his vacation, and the very last panel is of him eating a plate of beans on toast, because the whole story was literally just for me to get to that. 
I really just <laughs> I really just want Peter Parker to eat some beans on toast because it feels it's a very Peter Parker flavored sort of meal. I understand, <laughs> I understand that beans on toast is not a meal in and of itself. I know that it goes with the full English breakfast, but not if you're Peter Parker. <laughs> yeah, not, not if you're Peter Parker who has eaten beans on toast before in his life, and uh, <laughs> this is a familiar food to him. So that is He's just like I got on a plane, I flew all the way way across the Atlantic for this. Yeah, he's like this, <laughs> this is, is what I, I had last week. Yeah, he's like this is what's in my pantry at all times. Like I don't <laughs> even have jelly and peanut butter, but I sure have cans of beans and bread. Like this is the breakfast, fine. <laughs> but it's better than jellied eels, I guess, which is another thing that is hugely popular in the UK, I assume. I've heard a lot of people talk about it. Anyway, so that is my pitch to you is uh, Spider-Man, Mary Jane, and uh, Harry go to uh, the UK and Doc Ock gets into some shit. They fight over a diamond twice. They deliver it to the queen. Beans on toast. Was Spider-Man there and did he ever go to the UK? <laughs> I will say that like the short answer is yes. Now, I know that you have seen some of the MCU movies. Yes. But not all of them. Yeah. So I've seen parts of far from home because a friend of mine was streaming it i kind of popped in and out but i've not seen the whole movie okay well um i wasn't planning on talking about far from home but since it's come up in the like last third of that movie their pan-european adventure does take them to london and so there is some like london hijinks and fighting villains and i think they're on like london bridge literally and they're like there's some landmarks or whatever. Um, I will offer you this one story note. I would have put the giant diamond like in the middle of the eye of London because the idea of like a giant diamond center to the Ferris wheel and like Doc got climbing up the Ferris wheel with like all the bits like just I like that visually. But that's that's um, my only note on the story. I thought about it, but I got really hung up on him using his octopus arms to to like toss people out of the Ferris wheel cars. <laughs> and, then, and then I got too hung up on that image. And I was like, no, I think the Tower of London is where they would put the diamond logistically. You know, the, you know, the huge diamond that makes sense for them to have. But I do love the idea of it being in the Ferris wheel. Other contenders for the places for it to be was um, the Queen's bedroom. Oh, God behind the face of big ben and uh in a house with just a shitload of dalmatians <laughs> why are there so many dogs these are, I, all, these are all good yeah he's like because like the diamond is like uh in one of the dog beds or something like that's the like guard dog and he's like sorting through them like picking up dogs with his octopus arms like where the hell is it like <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I like to think that all of those things happened in their own individual timelines and universes. Yeah, it's infinite, infinite <laughs> universe theory. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, which brings me to what I actually did look into this week, which is, you know, I was like, oh, okay, we're we're kind of sticking to familiar territory, like you said, we're we're sticking to England. We kind of have a basic working knowledge of you know what that place is like. It's that, not that too place over there. That place. Well, yes, you know, and I, you know, we're just looking across the pond, but where this ended up taking me was across the multiverse. Okay. Because I was personally introduced to the, like, when, so when you brought up like, okay, Spider-Man, but also England, and I was thinking about England and Britain in the context of Marvel Comics, my first thought was the character Captain Britain, who is a character that I was introduced to via... Excalibur, uh, because like as I mentioned briefly before, like I got into comics 
uh, via X-Men and was like really into Nightcrawler. And so mm-hmm. I kind of fought, like followed him through his what books he was in. And so he was in Excalibur. And so that was a team that was based in England and um, Captain Britain was a member of that team. So I was so I was like, OK, so maybe, you know, there's there's some kind of link here. Like we you know, we do have an established superhero presence. England is an important location, you know, and I started thinking about the multiverse as it relates to like Marvel comics and Spider-Verse. And it actually got me thinking about when the first instance of a multiverse um, or like the numbered multiverse happened in Marvel comics, because like, we're all pretty familiar with like Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. And I, and I feel like that's where a lot of Marvel fans, when they think multiverse for Marvel comics, I think Spider-Verse has kind of dominated that, view or that Mm -hmm. that topic um in the comics world even though we know that like other universes exist um spider-man is kind of the the headliner um but i was kind of curious i was like i know that that there was mentioned multiverse stuff in excalibur um specifically related to captain britain and i was curious like well where did it really start and so i started like i got like real deep into this (laughs) i was like way steep in comic book research and so i found out that like the first instance of multiverses in comic books that are in between DC and Marvel Mm -hmm. um, that people really tracked down was like in the 50s and 60s and DC was the first one to publish multiverse stories in their Wonder Woman comics and their Flash comics but these are more the like you know like the Star Trek episode where it's like and there's another universe where everything that's evil is good and everybody has goatees yeah (laughs) They're, they're more like flip coin kind of you know mirror universes but they did go up to three like the idea that they were up to three different universes but marvel really did push that envelope a little bit further in the very first what if comic in 1977 the introduction where you have the watcher who's kind of explaining like i'm the watcher i watch shit and he talks about like all the different possibilities that could have spawned other universes he describes them as existing parallel to our own he says there are worlds within worlds which exist side by side. So he's really introducing the concept that like every decision that's made has created a branching tree and a branching universe, really kind of creating the idea of infinite universes as opposed to just one or two. But then what I found was really interesting was I was like, okay, but where did this whole number system come from? Because like we talk about like the main Marvel universe being 616 and like the ultimate universe is like 1610 or whatever, like Mm -hmm. they'll have numbers. And I was like, okay, well, where did, when did that start? Where did that come from? And this took me to something that I think is super cool for me personally, as someone who's really into like zines and like weird comic book stuff. Mm-hmm. There was a publication in that started in 1983 called The Daredevils, which was a Marvel licensed comic magazine, I think is a better way of putting it, rather than just a comic book okay. that was published in the UK and it was like a anthology almost like a monthly anthology. So there would be a Captain Britain story and a Daredevil story and a Spider-Man story. And they weren't related. It was like, you know, installments of these three things. Um, but there would also be articles about comic book stuff and, you know, letter columns and things like that. But a lot, like as I was flipping through it and this is all in like black and white. So there to me, even though it was like an official licensed comic book, you know, production to me it felt very handmade there was something very like old school and kind of charming about it especially 
because there were these large swathes of pages where like the writers and comic book people were like talk just talking about topics or like their thoughts on other comic book authors work you know it wasn't just like a letters page like it was really like them kind of expressing their opinions but in the seventh issue of the daredevils there there's a whole story and it's this the daredevils captain britain story starts with like captain britain he's been obliterated and blown into basically dust and then merlin who is yes the merlin we know from king arthur but also okay. like he's he's like a cosmic being that has taken many forms and that's just one of them over time oh okay i was gonna ask like merlin like the, uh, like the old yeah like... <laughs> yes but also more and his daughter roma have like taken the remains of captain britain and they've reanimated him and and given him his life back and breathed life back into him so that he can assume his life in this great plan of destiny which then kicks off like the events for the rest of the arc or whatever um and a couple issues in he is in a court full of other captain britons and they mention how all these different captain britons are from different universes and He's there addressing the whole court and also uh, the woman who's sort of in charge of maintaining omniverse order, I guess. Um, and her mm -hmm. name is uh, Opaluna Majestrix Saturnine. And I was what? familiar with her. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's amazing. Sorry, um, she looks, by me she... one more time. Opaluna Majestrix with an X. Saturnine? Four names. I believe the first three are her title. Like they also just her friends call her Saturnine. Okay. I <laughs> All right, go on. It sounds like a child beauty pageant like award. Like yeah, like absolutely. Opal Luna Majestrix Grand Supreme. <laughs> it also it also sounds like maybe someone's first D and D character. <laughs> so he's like addressing her he's trying to make a case with her for whatever his issues are and when they're in the big court with all the other captain britons they start referring to them by their universal numbers as means of uh differentiating between them and that is the first instance where we see uh numbered universes and it's the first instance where someone refers to the captain britain that is from the mainstream marvel universe we know as captain britain 616 and so that's where the 616 comes from and if you're like well who do we have to thank for this number this organized number system that has now persisted and has become such a huge part of canon it goes to a pair of gentlemen who share the same first name alan moore who is a comic book legend mm -hmm. um and even a, i know that name yeah and a crotchety old man and snake wizard i think <laughs> snake wizard i don't know and alan davis who is my favorite comic book artist of all time who I, I did get the opportunity to meet once um, at a convention and I was really excited. He is someone that I think if you told me that like this book, this the Daredevil's book was like a pet project of his, I would totally believe you because I feel like all of his work for Marvel has really focused on because he's British. I mean, they're both British, but uh, a lot of his work for Marvel has focused on British superheroes and creating British superhero teams and products mm -hmm. for British market. And so I kind of kind of see him believing like wanting to market to like the comic book fans that he felt like he was a part of when he was young and like the kind of comics he read when he was young and stuff so that was really cool to see like where this came from I was like oh okay like this whole universe system like has a pedigree okay that's interesting and you're like okay cat we've talked 
a whole bunch about universes and numbers, but that doesn't get us back to England. But like I said, I was introduced to this whole concept in Excalibur um, because there was a large arc, which was one of, actually one of the first like comic arcs that I read where it was like, this is going to carry over for more than 10 issues called the Cross Time Capers, where they were hopping from dimension to dimension and like solving problems and, you know, making friends and enemies. But it all comes back around to Spider-Verse. Okay. And the events of Spider-Verse kick off in Amazing Spider-Man number seven, where we see a William Billy Braddock. And in the normal Captain Britain from 616, his name is uh, Brian Braddock. So there is some kind of like vague connection there. I'm sure plenty of Captain Britons are Braddocks. But it's kind of implied that like he doesn't necessarily have the same traditional spider sense that like Peter does and other spider people do. But he kind of basically detects a disturbance in the force because Captain Britain's jobs are to help protect the multiverses and like order within the multiverses. So he kind of is like, hey, I feel something hinky's going on. And so the book opens or, or this part of the book opens with him having reserved a like scrying chamber mm-hmm. in the other world that's sort of like the world between worlds where you know the, the hub basically in between dimensions and sure enough as he's like looking into all these other dimensions he sees that there is a threat that is destroying or killing spider people throughout all these different dimensions mm-hmm. and he's like okay that's a problem for me and other spider people who you know by most accounts are typically good heroic people that we want to have in their universes. And so he, uh, once he figures out that like, this is an ongoing problem, this isn't just a blip on the radar. And then he also realizes that the people he's watching realize they're being watched and like kind of can see him or sense him. He's like, okay, backing away from the telescope now. And he goes to find Opaluna Majestrix Saturnine. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, uh, hey, uh, sorry to bother you, but there's some kind of crazy threat to the existence of all the spider people in the dimensions, and I thought maybe you could help with that. And she's very put upon right now because apparently there's some other thing happening where dimensions are just collapsing in on themselves, like one after uh, another. And okay. so she's like, and so she's like, I, what, spiders? I don't have time to deal with this. Like, there are literal worlds crumbling into less than dust, and you want me to be worried about spider people. Like, get out of my sight. Yeah. (laughs) You're new here, right? And he's like, yes, (laughs) (laughs) ma'am. And so she tries to send him away. But Roma, who we talked about a minute ago, Merlin's daughter, kind of, she, she listens to, you know, what he's seen and she feels that they can't just do nothing. So she kind of sympathizes with him and she pulls him aside and she's like, look, I can't really like, you know, do anything for you, but I'm going to give you this. And so she gives him this little like amulet talisman that allows him to travel on the webs that thread through the universes and hold them together. Okay. And she's like, this will allow you to travel to different dimensions and different universes. And so maybe you can find people that can help you actually solve something. It's it's very likely that our your problem is part of our problem. 
so I can't just sit by and let nothing happen. But also, you need to take care of this by yourself <laughs> or with the team. Go get a team, but I can't do it. Not me, you. You go do it. Right. So he takes off and then be- begins collecting the spider people to take care of the events that happen in Spider-Verse, which I don't want get to get too into today, but I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the general, like we don't get a lot of like his backstory in any of the comics, like as far as like how, you know, was he bitten by a radioactive spider or was, you know, he a scientist or anything like that. We really just kind of get a vibe for him as he is in these crises where, you know, he's a leader, but also the kind of leader who knows like when he's not the best person for the job because he's like, okay, I've got the keys to this thing, but I need to find the people that really know how to drive it because, we're up against this enemy and there's only one person in all the omniverse that has ever gone up against this enemy and one, and that's 616 Peter Parker. Uh, he's like, so we need to get that guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and he's got to tell us what to do. He's got to be our general. And then, and, and of course, you know, 616 Peter's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. He's like, I, 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 I was just finishing my beans on toast. Um, here in here here in America, where this is just what I eat. <laughs> yeah, actually no, he's just like, oh my god, sorry, I I just finished the 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 Spider Man fuck comic. I am, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> but it the events of Spider Verse work out in general terms. There are plenty of losses. One of those losses is Universe Eight Three Three, which is the universe that Spider UK is from. So he loses his whole universe. Um, in these events. Oh, wow. Which is very, it's very sad. And um, I think it is one of the most emotional moments in the Spider-Verse event. But he kind of decides that he will, I guess, play the role of of a sentinel and sort of, he takes up refuge kind of in another little world between worlds where he can watch other dimensions. And because now there are plenty of dimensions that don't have a Spider-Man anymore um, because they're dead or other things have happened. So he basically has an eye out. So he's like, oh my God, like, you know, that world 20XD6 needs a, needs a Spider-Man. I'm going to go there and help them with their crisis and then zip back over here. So all in all, a good dude with like a definite sense of duty and responsibility. And in my opinion, so much more likable than the original Captain Britain ever was. <laughs> I spent most of my middle school years just really wanted to punch Captain Britain in the face. So um, yeah, that's uh, Spider-UK. Okay, that's great. I love it. I love the story. Captain Britain literally never heard of him up to this point. I don't know if it's just that I don't know anything about comics or if this is kind of an obscure character. Because I can, like I said, I can name off like a handful of characters, obviously. Like, yeah. Like everybody can. But yeah, this is super interesting for me because Captain Britain is not a character that I had literally ever heard of before. I can't honestly think of any non-comic media that he's ever been in. Like, I'm happy to be wrong. But I don't think he's ever even had like a cameo in a cartoon Mm -hmm. or a video game or anything like that. Um, Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I I do feel like this was definitely like the kind of character that was probably marketed more heavily in the UK. But I think if it hadn't been for Excalibur and like the fact that I was just so invested in Nightcrawler and like reading about him and whatever team he was on that I probably would have never come across Captain Britain. Mm -hmm. He has shown up in more recent comics like like the og excalibur comic ended in the 90s but there's a new excalibur title out and he's definitely a part of like some of the new x-man mythology that's happening right now so like 
people that read comics and keep up with comics are like, oh, Captain Britain, okay, yeah, sure. But, like, he's definitely not, like, an A-lister. He's no, you know, Wolverine. I see, I see, okay. Yeah. Still, that's really interesting. I always love when I when I uh, get to come here and learn about new characters. And also Merlin, Merlin the Wizard? Like, I thought that we had we had peaked when you were like, and Dracula exists in this world. <laughs> but here we are with Merlin. Yeah, it's pretty funny. There, um, it was really fun to read these old uh, the Daredevils comics because I'm very familiar with Alan Davis's work and especially his run in Excalibur and especially the way he presents some of these characters. And Merlin has shown up in or did show up in Excalibur when I was reading it, and it's really funny because there are some panels in the daredevils and we're talking about something that would have run years and years before excalibur started that mirror panels that later showed up in excalibur where you can tell that like he was like oh that panel where i have all the side-by-side -side versions of the different merlin like i should do that again but like tidied up a little bit and obviously in color it's really kind of something neat it's it almost feels like like i said the the daredevils does feel very like handmade in a way mm -hmm. and so it almost feels like you're looking at like a rough draft of what became a final version you know 10 years down the line or something that's really cool i love when i love when you get to see development like that especially from artists that you really enjoy but yeah i'm i'm just really excited to get to to get to learn about a new character that's always like i said really really exciting for me so thank you for going and looking that up that is super cool and i'm also super glad to know that um that spider-man 616 did wind up in the uk well, technically not 616 because MCU Peter is from a different universe. I don't know. Oh, that's word. right. Okay. Sorry. I totally had that confused. Yeah. Um, a lot of information was just handed to me. I know. There were numbers <laughs> flying everywhere. Yeah. One day I'll have the, the numbering system down. But like I said, thank you so much for uh, for looking into that. That said, I am super excited to get into the second half of this podcast because I cannot imagine what awaits me <laughs> i know that you said that you were looking into a lot of stuff and i'm i'm really looking forward to whatever the fan fiction is this week honestly <laughs> so let's zip over there and we'll play everyone's favorite game okay cat i i just want to say i'm terrified <laughs> I don't know what and like every single time I'm like this topic's not as out there as some of the other ones are and then the fan fictions are like and then they went to space and they found the uh the other Spider-Man but he was the moon and it's like <laughs> okay I guess so like this international Spider-Man thing I'm like what is gonna happen but can you tell us a little bit more about the second half of the podcast absolutely the second part of the show is called two truths and a fic and in this part of the show, I have brought two canon Spider-Man storylines and one storyline that is from an obliging fan work. I present them to Zeke, and Zeke has to try and figure out which are which. I'm usually pretty good at this, but like I said, I'm terrified this week because this feels like a topic that could really, really go a lot of places. I do compete for a sticker every week. It's true. Um, so Kat, can you tell us what the sticker is this week? Well, this week I wanted to pick a sticker of someone who was as big an international superstar as spider-man so for you this week i have hello kitty in red and blue well damn i can't say no to hello kitty <laughs> i have to compete for for the the 
the fan favorite from when I was in fourth, maybe fifth grade. I used to, okay, I used to collect Hello Kitty stuff, and I didn't stop because I, like, transitioned or anything. I just stopped because I was literally spending insane amounts of money on it. But I've loved Hello Kitty since I was an itty-bitty child. At one point in my life, it was the only thing anyone would get me for a gift. So somewhere (laughs) in my storage unit, I have a Hello Kitty panini press and a lamp and an alarm clock and uh, luggage, and it's it's honestly insane. (laughs) So I need this sticker real bad. <laughs> um, so I'm ready. Let's go ahead and get started. Okay, here we go. Tokyo is under attack. The <laughs> evil... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> the evil General Wasperus has unleashed his insect army on the city, and Spider-Man J is the only one who can stop him. But will the young hero get a chance to face the would-be overlord? Or will he fall at the hand of his mind-controlled friend? This one feels like a comic for sure. <laughs> um, but I obviously I'm going to hold off until I hear all of them to make a judgment. Uh, that said, you really got me with the, <laughs> with the starter there. Okay, give me the next one. It all starts out like a story you've heard before. A small town boy is teased at school, struggling to fit in. And suddenly gaining new powers and losing his dear uncle doesn't make life any easier. But when his home village is razed to the ground by power-hungry industrialist Nalin Oberoi, it becomes clear Pavitir Prabhakar's great responsibility doesn't just involve stopping robbers and purse snatchers, but combating the hordes of Rakshas before they can devour the earth. This one sounds fantastic. Very exciting. But I can't... I need to hear the third one. This one does kind of feel like it, it would be a comic, but I can also see the fanfic lean. So let's hear the third one. With his long hair, cigarettes, and venom bite, he what? may seem little like the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man you've come to know and love. Oh yeah, he sounds but, hot. <laughs> but when an asteroid falls to Earth full of unique chemicals with untold power-enhancing properties, there is only one man Professor Bernardi trusts to keep the formula out of Captain Maximum's hands. Italian Spider-Man. <gasps> okay. I'm sorry. I'm so obsessed with this image of Spider-Man with long hair and cigarettes. This is so funny. Okay. Also, Captain Maximus sounds insane. All of these sound canon. So whoever wrote the fanfic, you already have my kudos figuratively and probably literally as soon as i figure it out i think you know what i think the first one is the fanfic i think that the first one's the fan fiction because the last two sound like really cool comic ideas so i'm gonna say fanfic canon canon yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna second guess myself that's my answer (laughs) final answer well, I can tell you that the first one is not the fanfic. Okay. But that's because none of them are a fanfic. What? That's because one of them is a movie. What? <laughs> um, but let's start with the with the canon storylines. Okay. All right. So the first one, the one about Tokyo and Spider-Man J, uh-huh. is a manga that appeared in like a young... Uh, like a boy's manga. Um, it's it's Spider-Man J. 
there are English translations of some of it, but it is the kind of thing that was like a Japanese produced manga serial, you know, like Shonen Jump or something, but not in Shonen Jump. It wasn't that good. <laughs> um, and for a younger crowd, I think. Right. Um, but this was very much your like kind of standard sort of Power Rangers-esque heroes and villains sort of fights. Um, I will say that like I bought this book, I think I bought it at like a half price books or something on the cheap just because I thought it was interesting and I'm really interested in Spider-Man media from other countries. And then I like picked it up and I was like, oh, this is clearly for children, just like based on the art style and everything. And then I like started flipping through it and literally the very first storyline is like, okay, here is this terrifying wasp man. And now he's putting like mind and body controlling armor on the body of the one guy who like uh, Spider-Man has like a friend that's like a detective that works with him that like knows his identity. So like he's put this like mind control armor on the detective and now the detective is like trying to gun down Spider-Man like as they're like running around this like scaffolding of a half constructed building and people are like in actual life or death danger. And I was like, Oh my God, Japan, you didn't have to go so hard. <laughs> this is for children. Um, but that's just how they roll with this manga because the art style is so cutesy, but actually this version of Spider-Man did show up in Spider-Verse. There is a page where there's a bunch of Spider-Man characters. And I think specifically they wanted to spotlight all the Japan versions of Spider-Man. So like, this version and Spider-Man and like Penny Parker are like all on the page together at the same time. And I was just like, oh, cute. The second one is also a canon comic book. And this is Spider-Man India. And uh, this is a project that I think was a long time coming. And something that I learned a little bit about in the past, but definitely as I was doing research for this episode, is that India loves Spider-Man. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I didn't know like what kind of crazy love affair India had for Spider-Man. Part of that I think is due to like uh American comics being marketed in other countries. Um it the best I could find there was a publisher in India called Raj Comics mm -hmm. and they would like translate stuff, but they also just would go bananas and make bootleg comics. So there is one that you can find online where it's almost the whole thing. And it's like Spider-Man and Superman and Batman are all working together to like fight this crazy giant headed scientist dude. And it's, it's so, it doesn't make any sense and their costumes are wrong and the colors are weird, but it is wild. I did also learn that um, just like how we talked about how in Mexico there were the bootleg Spider-Man comics where they were like, well, Mexican audiences want Gwen Stacy to live and stay married to Peter Parker. And that's just right. what we're going to go with. There was a history of Spider-Man comics where they were like, this is cool and all. We like the idea of a guy who is a spider, but bank robberies and purse snatchings, like that doesn't really spark the imagination of comic book readers here. And so they were just like, what if we keep the Spider-Man, but he fights like demons. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so I remember finding this image where it was like an, it looked like an airbrushed van that was like a comic book cover where it's Spider-Man in the palm of this giant hand, but each of the fingers like turns into a cobra at the fingertip. What? <laughs> yeah, it was so wild. And I'm, I'll try to find it and send it to you. But Spider-Man India is an official licensed Marvel project where they were like, okay, we need to like, make an Indian Spider-Man comic specifically. India loves Spider-Man. The Spider-Man movies were like amongst the top grossing 
top 10 grossing movies of all time in India. Like multiple Spider-Man movies are in the top 10 for a long time. And there's even like a, a Bollywood movie that's about like Superman and he's in love with Spider-Man, but Spider-Man is a woman because it's Bollywood and you can whatever. Sure, yeah. <laughs> sure, Bollywood rules. But so they were like, okay, so we need an India approved spider-man and so they got a creative team together and they created this character who like again his origin story is like all right he's kind of an outcast at school he comes from this tiny village he's come to the big city to get like a proper education he doesn't seem to get bit by a spider he just kind of like sees a vision an apparition of this like mythical figure that's talking to him about destiny and he kind of like wakes up with powers and a suit but he does like through his inaction cause his uncle to his uncle bim to be uh killed and then he kind of like realizes you know his position and what his uncle was talking about when he was talking about responsibility um but then from there it just completely goes in a different direction because we're not talking about norman osborne he puts on a green mask and flies around on a surfboard we're talking about like an actual dude who is summoning demons and trying to unleash the spirit underworld to take over earth and he needs spider-man's power in order to do that oh my god so he's like trying to con he's he's not trying to kill spider-man he's trying to like lure spider-man to him and force him to embrace the hatred in his heart for all the people that have hurt him so that he can like unlock the world of demons basically and let them loose it got it's so Christ. wild yeah and like the art style like it just really just departs from from everything you know about spider-man it's like forget oh everything God. you know about spider-man and i'm like how okay here we go um but yeah that's spider-man india so that's definitely worth a look and now the piece de resistance italian spider-man I'm so ready for Italian Spider-Man. So, I know you saw me tweeting at like 3 a.m. last night where I was like, sometimes I consume comic book media and then I cannot immediately start telling everybody about it. And it's the worst part of my day. And this was one of those moments. I had I had Andrew helping me look for stuff yesterday and he just happened to stumble upon this and he sent me the trailer for it. And I was like, well the whole movie is online on on YouTube. And this is a fan-made production, mm -hmm. not actually produced by Italians. It's produced by like some dudes in Australia. And they're trying to recreate the like vibe of like the 70s exploitation films and like definitely the bootleg superhero, you know, barely resembles the source material kind of vibe on it. and. They nailed it. Like, it's pitch perfect. Like, oh my God. it toes that line of, like, almost being offensive. Obviously, it's on YouTube. So, like, you know, you're not going to see actual boobs or anything. But then, like, just when you're just like, eh, it, like, veers back into, like, hilarious, you know, over-the-top ridiculousness. And it, it's it's the kind of, like, good camp cheesiness that I think it's worth your 40 minutes. Because that's it's only, like, 37 minutes long. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but... It's so silly. Like, the guy doesn't even remotely look like Spider-Man. Like, he's this big dude with, like, a beer belly, and he's got, like, a red shirt on that, like, has a spider drawn on it if you were drunk and playing blind Pictionary. And... <laughs> Muppet Pictionary. Yeah. <laughs> he looks kind of like a Muppet. 
And there's just like girls in bathing suits for no particular reason. There's a part where he's fighting Captain Maximum and Captain Maximum is like, oh, I have the asteroid, but I'll give it to you if you beat me in this surfboarding contest. <laughs> and then he realizes that obviously Spider-Man is the better surfer. And so he tries to sabotage him with bikini babes with machine guns. And so Spider-Man has to call on a fleet of penguins that are made out of stock footage in order to help him. Of course. Of course. Yeah, it's it's really ridiculous. I think the thing was originally released in like short four or five minute episodes, but like it's since been pieced together into a whole quote unquote movie. It is an experience. <laughs> um, it's it's honestly something that I'm surprised had not crossed my path until this week. We did make a short evening of sitting back and watching it, and it was something um i'll definitely send you the trailer when we're done with this but uh yeah that is italian spider-man <laughs> i oh my god i'm mad for italian spider-man i love this so much <laughs> i love movies like this i love anytime like a popular ip is taken and made into something absolutely phenomenally ridiculous like this the penguins really got me yeah yeah it it almost feels like they were like okay how much of spider-man do we have to remove so that no one would think about suing us <laughs> yeah. violating their intellectual property and that is the amount of spider-man that is in this movie <laughs> oh perfect that's exactly what i wanted also the fact that his name is like they they only refer to him in the movie as italian spider-man <laughs> That's oh, that's perfect. I love it. I love it so much. I'm I'm upset someone beat me to my directorial debut, but <laughs> but I do love it regardless. Out of uh, out of out of five stars, five stars being the best. What would you give uh, Italian Spider Man? Oh man, three and a half probably. It, okay, there, I feel like some of the action sequences went on a little long for me, but there were some definitely solid belly laughs like the first 30 seconds starts with a poker game and like both andrew and i bust a gut at the at the opening sequence and like that <laughs> that alone was three stars it's no mystery men i mean mystery men is a perfect movie so <laughs> you know what it is it is pretty damn near perfect thank you so much for sitting through italian spider-man and also for reading those other comics i think that spider-man india is so phenomenally interesting and cool like i don't know how to say this without sounding appropriative but i really love all of the culture and all of the the subcultures that exist within india like i understand that like to say indian culture is nothing because there's so many different sure you know cultures and ideologies and things in india but i i love the idea that india is so into spider-man because i feel like as westerners we kind of view countries like that as like very stoic or like behind or whatever so like knowing that like india is like just mad for spider-man really gets me i really if you... i really love that <laughs> one of the images that kept popping up as i was doing this research was um it seems to be very popular to decorate statues of ganesh the elephant god uh -huh. um with creative paint jobs and there are more than a few spider-man ganeshes out there like in parades and stuff like that oh wow i don't know why i would I if if you I literally just googled it i just started typing ganesh and then i typed the s and it was like ganesh spider-man and i was like what like 
That's but yeah, if, if anybody out there has any explanation for this, you know, love of Spider-Man in India, why it really took off there, I would love to know. Yeah, in fact, there's a really, there's a great way to get in touch with us, if you do know. You can tweet us at there on Twitter, or you can send us an email at there at gmail.com. If you hit us up on Twitter, you can find our link tree and you can join our Discord. We love to hear from you guys and we like to talk about all things Spider-Man. And if you have any ideas for upcoming episodes, we're happy to hear those too. I think this has all been incredibly educational for me. Dare I ask if you have a piece of trivia for me this week? I do. And I think it's a, I think it's a heart warmer this week. Oh, okay. I like these. Uh, so I think this week we've talked a lot about how Spider-Man has been reflected internationally in the world of fiction but mm-hmm. for our trivia i wanted to talk a little bit about spider-man has been reflected internationally in our world okay and i wanted to talk a little bit about some different spider-men that i have come across who are real dudes using spider-man as inspiration to do good in the world okay um, and so one of them is a chap i follow on instagram and Uh, He goes by Spidey Yoga there, and his whole deal is that he works with orphanages and he teaches kids about yoga. Like he goes dressed up in the Spider-Man suit and he teaches kids to do yoga and mindfulness exercises and meditation. And these are obviously kids that like need an outlet, need a physical activity to do. Um, And so like his whole um, Instagram post is about like him going to these places and like working with kids, which I think is really cool. That is really super sweet. Yeah, yeah. And he has, like, he also does fundraising for the orphanages um, to help them with their needs, which I think is also a really cool thing and a cool way to, like, you know, use his platform. Also, another thing that came across my feed, like, earlier this year is this guy named um, Rudy Hartono, who is in Indonesia. And he dresses up like Spider-Man and goes to the beaches and cleans up plastic waste because... Indonesia has a huge problem with, you know, plastic garbage just piling up on the shores. I think I would lose my mind if I saw Spider-Man picking up plastic trash. I mean, the the friendly neighborhood is where it is, right? Right. Uh, Yeah. Well, like not, and I don't mean in a negative way, but I think like if I was at the beach, like, oh, I'm here to chill. Like, this is a great day off. And then I look and (laughs) Spider-Man's picking up like Coke bottles or whatever. I would be like, I've died. Like, this is, (laughs) this is the end of my life. But then my favorite, and honestly, the reason I wanted to do an international episode was because I wanted to talk about my personal hero, Chilean sensual Spider-Man, oh. <laughs> who is another chap that I follow on Instagram after a friend of mine who lives in Chile ter- uh, turned me on to his account. He's basically a national hero in Chile. It is one of those kinds of things that like started out sort of as a joke, but then started expanding. And then as this guy realized like he had a platform, he started using it to do more and more good. But Chile, not unlike our own country, is definitely in a tumultuous political period. And there have been plenty of protests going on for a long time now. And to my understanding, the Chilean Spider-Man just started showing up at these protests in costume, just as like a sign of support and kind of being like, you know, Spider-Man is here, which, you know, has happened here before. Right. But it being Chile and the gentleman in the suit having quite the sense of humor and quite the set of dance moves, 
he wasn't content to just like stand around and hold a sign. This guy shakes what his mother gave him. And <laughs> sometimes he does it upside down. And uh, sometimes he does it on a flagpole. And it's wild. But um, like at the Chilean protest, there's definitely like this small subsection of like icons that have risen up from the protests. And he's one of them. And so much to the fact that like he's shown up at national events like that are televised where they're they're sort of like awareness raising events where like he's participating in like skits or whatever that are kind of pastiching some of the events that have happened politically. But on top of that, like he also does ads for local businesses. He does PSAs. I've seen um, a number of his PSAs on Instagram about like proper mask wearing and social distancing and quarantining and stuff like that. And a recent project that I've seen that he's been involved in is uh, obviously, you know, COVID has affected economies and things like food security for people all over the world. And so he's teamed up with a food truck that's basically like delivering free meals. And it's, they went ahead and they themed the the food truck after him. So it's like the sexy Spider-Man food truck that like goes out and delivers like hot meals to people um, in need, which, and like he shows up too, which I think is so cool. And like, it's all in good fun and he's definitely doing these things to like help raise people's spirits which i think is really like at, at the core of what spider-man is about and i really think that like if spider-man was a real person and he saw that like someone was doing this in his name i think he would be really proud of it yeah absolutely i think so too also i love that he's not just like spider-man and he's out there but he's sexy spider-man <laughs> i think that is I think so it, funny like of all i think the it's sticks he could have <laughs> It's technically um, stupid, sexy Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I, where, where are you, Spy American Spider-Man? You got to show up. You, but you know, who, you know what, though? You know what, though? We have that uh, seven-foot-tall person in riot gear whose phone number <laughs> I'm still waiting on. Yeah, uh, but they have the guy, they have the guy with, who, like, stole the stop sign. Like, there's... Um, like fan art of like i said there are these like people who have risen up as icons of the protests and there's like the chilean of avengers and so like sexy spider-man is one of them there's also like this black stray dog that like would show up to protest and growl at cops like yeah, that's yeah, another yeah. one there's the inflatable pikachu um and there's the guy with the stop sign that's like the captain america <laughs> like <laughs> they've got a whole squad i think especially younger people are kind of starting to blur the line between like well, that's play and this is life because those things have influenced us so much that using them as sort of these beacons or icons in things like protests or or speaking out, I think is really important. So a uh, big shout out to Stupid Sexy Spider-Man and the Chilean Avengers and Inflatable Pikachu, who I hadn't <laughs> heard of. I had a lot of fun this week. Uh, thank you so much for looking up all that stuff. Especially, I'm still stuck on Stupid Sexy Spider-Man. I can't get that out of my head. We have to, I have to go. Uh, so my name is Zeke. And I'm Kat. And thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. What's up, Spider-Pals? It's Zeke. If you enjoyed the stories we talked about in today's episode, you should check out the issues they're from. And they are 
Marvel's What If from 1977, number one. The Daredevils from 1983, number one and number seven. Amazing Spider-Man from 2014, number seven. Spider-Man J, Japanese Knights. That's Knights, K-N-I-G-H-T-S. Spider-Man India, numbers one through four. And our featured fan work this week was Italian Spider-Man by Alrugo Entertainment. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see ya.